welcome to A Voice for the Voiceless, a podcast about endangered species. I'm your host, Jenny Sisler, coming to you uh, live from a very frozen, solid Sunderland, Massachusetts at 7.17 p.m. on Monday, December 19th, 2022. Uh, This will be my last podcast for the year, um, and I wanted to take a moment to not only wish everyone a happy holiday, but thank you all for joining me on this venture uh, it was a wild hair. I got on back it, over the summer. I had absolutely no idea how to do a podcast. And I'll admit this one is probably not the most professional one you've heard out there, but it comes from the heart. And I want to uh, educate all of you as I educate myself about different endangered species. Um, and I'm looking forward to moving forward in the new year. Uh, with some hopefully informative, if not 100% entirely polished discussions. So that being said, um, uh, tonight's episode, I thought, since it's the year end, I would highlight some conservation success stories that were reported by the World Wildlife Fund, uh, some different success stories that they uh, had a part in. Now, in full disclosure, I'm not a huge fan of the WWF. Uh, They're not my favorite conservation NGO, simply because of the things that have happened in the name of fortress conservation in Africa and in Asia. Um, But, you know, no NGO is perfect, and they have done a lot of good. But that also comes with the caveat that I'm not a huge fan of any organization that tries to push first world uh, beliefs and viewpoints on the developing world. So that being said, I do want to share with you a few things that they have reported as conservation successes because, well, first of all, it's the end of the year and I don't want to end the year on a downer note with something that is distressing or kind of depressing, but also because I think it's very important to highlight the successes in the conservation world. Um, you know, we tend to only hear about the negatives in 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 regards to the environment in general. You know, we only hear about the poached animals or the sea level rise. We don't hear about the good things that are being done to protect the environment and the successful things that are being done. So that was why I thought I would end this. I suppose you could call it season one of my podcast with some information about uh, successful conservation. Um, One article that I found very interesting that the WWF shared on their website, and you can go there and read about these stories and more at wwf.org. One that I found interesting was that the critically endangered Arctic fox is starting to successfully breed in the wild in Finland, which um, is the first time in 25 years scientists have noticed that it's happening. Um, There was a fox couple in northern Lapland that had three pups the last time the nest was observed. Um, And the last confirmed breeding of Arctic foxes was back in 1996. Um, And the basic, the largest... uh, contributor to the Arctic fox's decline was that there was a decline in their prey, uh, primarily lemmings and voles. And by the early 2000s, the entire Arctic fox population was only about 100 individual foxes. But now there are currently about 450. 
that are in uh, Norway, Sweden, and Finland. And Finland sees between about 10 and 20 baby foxes um, a year in their observations. And that number is even increasing. So that's really uh, exciting because these foxes are critically endangered. And part of the reason for their resurgence is that the rodent population, the lemmings and the voles, have made a comeback for whatever reason, and scientists don't necessarily know why the decline was there um, or what's bringing them back. But also important to note is that the conservation efforts include supplemental feeding programs and fox hunting. And they basically, the WWF has worked with conservation groups in Norway, Sweden, and Finland. And what they do is they put out dog food. Um, and this is to supplement the nutrition of the pups in the first year of their life in case the uh, bull populations and lemming populations start to decrease again to give them the supplemental nutrition they need to survive to their, through their first year of life. And they also have um, started removing red foxes from the environment because red foxes are naturally competitors to the Arctic fox and they compete with them. They're in direct competition for breeding territory and food. So if you relocate some of the red foxes, then that will give the Arctic fox the chance to uh, repopulate the species, so to speak. So that's one really exciting, um, really exciting um, development. Um, the next one that I found really interesting, because I didn't know this was even a thing, was the first ever satellite tagging of Asian river dolphins was performed in Pakistan. And I did not know that there were river dolphins that were endangered, but the Indus River dolphin is, is extremely uh, endangered. And the World Wildlife Fund, in collaboration with the Sindh Wildlife Department in Pakistan, was able to successfully tag three endangered Indus River dolphins with satellite transmitters. Um, a juvenile male and two adult females were rescued. They got stuck in an irrigation canal. And after they were rescued, they were tagged with these satellite transmitters. And um, everybody involved in the project is really excited because the thing is, is the river dolphins are very difficult to study in the wild because the Indus River is muddy and has a lot of sediment and you can't just do a flyover and see river dolphins in the Indus River. Um, so it's very difficult to track and study them unless you use modern technology like the satellite tagging. So that's really exciting and this will help you know, keep track of how many uh, dolphins are in the river and where they're located so that they can um, help the dolphins um, navigate and potentially stay away from boats that could, that could harm them. So that's another really exciting uh, development. And it's also a really eye-opening look into how modern technology can help conserve uh, habitats and animals. And then there, there's another example on their website of technology being used to uh, help preserve populations. And this is actually in um, Africa. And the Kavango Zambezi Transfrontier Conservation Area 
has coordinated with the WWF to do the first ever synchronized aerial survey of African savanna elephant populations. Um, and the conservation area, it takes, up five, it, it takes up land in five countries. Those countries are Angola, Botswana, Zambia, Namibia, and Zimbabwe. So you can imagine um, it, it's a, a conservation area that covers 128 million acres, which is about the size of France. So you can imagine if all these countries on their own were trying to track elephants, it would be pretty difficult. And you would probably have each country having different numbers and not much communication between the countries, and it could get to be a mess, and you might not have any idea how many elephants are actually out there. But with this coordinated effort, they used seven aircraft, and it took all of the month of October to get this survey done to cover that 128 million acres. But this will help them moving forward be able to determine if the elephants are becoming more victims of poaching or if their populations are actually increasing. And right now there's about roughly 220,000 African savanna elephants in the region. Um, and this will help moving forward. And it will also help with, you know, having the data will help these countries uh, make better regulations against poaching if they can see actually how many animals are being harmed. So that's a wonderful example of technology being used to, um, to foster better communication between countries and conservation teams. And the last one that I found very, thankfully very refreshing um, is the Eastern Monarch butterfly population seems to be in recovery. Um, and you'll remember uh, earlier this year when I started this podcast, one of the first um, insects that I discussed that is in severe need of help and is critically endangered is the monarch butterfly. And they overwinter in Mexico. And thankfully, um, there was an increase of about of roughly 34% in the population that overwintered this past winter of 2022 in Mexico, as opposed to the winter of 2020 slash 2021. Um, and of course, the problem is you can't count individual butterflies. There's just too darn many of them to count. So what they do is the presence in the monarch butterfly biosphere reserve, the way they measure the whether the population of monarchs has increased or decreased is uh, to look at the number of acres where the butterflies are found, as opposed to trying to count every single butterfly. You'd never get that done. So in the biosphere reserve, the population grew from 5.19 acres in December of 2020 to 7.02 in, Dece in December of 2021. So while that's really good and encouraging, it, it's still discouraging if you think about and the heyday of the monarch butterfly, they could cover 200 acres in the biosphere reserve. But um, this does give them a sense that the conservation efforts they're undertaking in Mexico now are helping. And um, it's good to not be discouraged and think about the other numbers and just say, okay, well, this is where we are and this is what we need to do. Um, and to protect the monarch butterfly, the WWF is working with the Mexican government to promote scientific monitoring, um, forest preservation, because they need the trees. 
they they need the trees when they get there and then alternative income source education is part of it because a lot of what is destroying the monarch butterfly in Mexico is, you know, besides the lack of milkweed here while they're en route, what destroys them when they get to Mexico is the deforestation. So, um, and a lot of times deforestation comes from cutting down timber for money. So they're also working on alternative income source education so that people will not be tempted to go chop down trees and sell the wood um, and find other ways to make money for their families and to leave the forests intact for the butterflies. So these are just a very few of the conservation success stories that have come across um, my research in uh, the course of doing this podcast this year. And I'm, I'm very happy to hear it, and I'm cautiously optimistic that these programs and others like them going forward will be able to protect um, our fragile ecosystems and protect the animals we share our home with because we were made steward, stewards of all of God's creatures. You know, he gave us the animals and gave us dominion over them, but he also expected us to treat them with the same love and respect he treats us with. So hopefully there will be plenty more success stories to share with you, as well as, you know, the usual in endangered species stories that need to be shared so that they can also become future success stories. And I look forward to sharing those with you next year and beyond. And thank you again so much for listening. And I hope you all have a blessed 2023. Good night.